You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. All right, welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have Shauna Israel. Shauna, welcome in. Hey, Chase. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Shauna. Give people a little bit of background about yourself, where you grew up, and kind of what got you into physical therapy in the first place. Yeah, well, to start off, um, I am from Los Angeles, California. Um, pretty much my growing up, my dad actually used to be a professional powerlifter. So growing up, working out, being healthy, all those things were pretty much incorporated into my day-to-day life. Um, And then from that, I did like a bunch of sports. I swam, I danced, I did soccer, softball, swimming, like I said, and then pretty much that turned into like my water polo career in high school. And um, I, you know, growing up, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I loved animals and um, you know, I always thought like the human body was really interesting and, you know, essentially like working out and doing things like that. I wasn't really sure. Did I want to be a vet? Did I want to do physical therapy? And did I want to even do marine biology? I don't even know. The options were endless. But yeah, so um, pretty much uh, I guess I was lucky in the fact that I was able to figure out my path because um it was unlucky that I got hurt, but pretty much while playing water polo, um, that kind of led me down this path where I got hurt. I went to rehab and then from there I chose a college that had the athletic training degree. So I went to San Diego state, um, and got my athletic training degree there. And then I went to USC for PT school. So, and so, you know, before you got your athletic training degree, did you have any other idea that you wanted to like specialize in sports later on? Or did that come later on in your career? So I was the essentially prodigy of my dad who loved sports and I was his only child. So um, I think that in some capacity, I have loved sports so much and, you know, have spent many, many weeknights and uh, weekends watching basketball and football with my dad. So I think it was just always ingrained to like love sports and, you know, continue to, you know, it would be so much fun to like be on the field. And um, that's pretty much why I love sports. But yeah, I always feel like I had like this rationale or deep down want to work in football or basketball or gotcha. things like that. Um, so kind of backtracking, going a little bit more into your background. Um, when I was researching you on LinkedIn, I saw that you were, you know, an athletic trainer for the Special Olympics. Tell us a little bit more about your time working with the Special Olympics um, Games. Yeah, so I've done a couple different things. In as an athletic training student, we did some volunteer events where we kind of helped out with some local teams. So I think in Long Beach and then one in San Diego. Um, pretty much, it was just a really fun filled time where the you know the athletes got to do different sports like track um I think there was some swimming 
And then for the big event, it was in Los Angeles. It was like the World Games. And it was really cool. I worked with soccer. And pretty much all these athletes from different countries came together. And, you know, it was just like such a fulfilling event watching these, uh, you know, just being there for sideline coverage. And, but yeah, just watching them come together. And, you know, even though they might not have spoken the same language, like the, uh, the team, like, just... I don't know how to explain it very well, but like the camaraderie between the teams was really great. Yeah, that's awesome. I think so. that's what makes um, international events so great is because that even though the cliche of, you know, they mm-hmm. might not speak the same language, but, you know, their one united language is whatever sport they're playing is something that's very cool about international games such as the Olympics or, you know, the World Cup or something like that. And so kind of tell us a little bit about your um, where you're at currently right now, where you work right now. Yeah, so right now I work at Good Shepherd Penn Partners. Um, it's right on Penn's campus, uh, or I should say University of Pennsylvania, um, right next to their football field. And pretty much I'm in a great facility where I um, work right next to the sports medicine physicians. And then most of my caseload is uh, Olymp- or D1 athletes. Um, I have treated a couple Olympians since I've started. Um, and then... The rest of the time, I'm treating mostly like Penn staff, um, Penn rest of Penn students, um, even like club and rec teams, and then there are some community member, like you know, just like general pop um, patients that do come in. So it's just really fun. Pretty much, I think Penn has like over a thousand athletes, so it's been a really great experience. Um, I've just recently started, like under I think I don't even know what day it is, two months um, that I've been there. But yeah, I get to work with the athletic trainers and communicate with them daily. And same thing with the strength coaches. So, Gotcha. And so how do you, how do patients come to you? Are they, do you see all of Penn athletics or do some athletes go to see athletic trainers versus you? Or do you like see mostly post-op cases? How does that kind of divvy up? Yeah. So um, I guess this is pretty much, I'd say for the most part, like consensus throughout like college teams that I've seen is a lot of times the athletic trainer is kind of like the first line of defense. Usually if an athlete gets hurt, they'll see the athletic trainer. Um, and then if the athletic trainer, you know, is, you know, has been treating them for a while, they may not necessarily be getting better or they're injured at a game or practice, like pretty severely like ACL or something, then they'll see the doc. Um, and then they'll usually get sent to me at that point. So I'll be, it's, it's gotcha. pretty much like throughout the whole, um, the whole, like all the varsity teams are sent to us. It's not just like one team per person. Right. And is there a particular like uh, specialty of athletes that you like working with overhead athletes, you know, endurance athletes or anything like that? Or do you kind of just treat them or do you all, do you like to treat them all? Yeah. I mean, with my background, I love to treat swimmers <laughs> um, and water pool players, but they unfortunately don't have those there. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I love football players, basketball. Um, I would think I, yeah, honestly, those are like probably, I just love like the environment of those. I've been probably the most um, ingrained in those in like my different, cr- in my career. So, um, but yeah. And so how, how is your job at working at Penn kind of differed from any other sort of clinic job that you've had besides, you know, the patient population? Is there any other differences that you've noticed? 
Yeah. So in the past, when I have worked, for instance, like with USC club sports, um, you know, we just based on time and just based on how the clinic was set up, we were only able to have, you know, really clinic for the club athletes once a week. And, you know, we weren't, if we wanted to send patients to the doctor or things like that, we weren't as set up as these clinics I'm at. Now, I think that as we were there, things got better. But I think that, you know, establishing policies and things like that have, you know, those take time to develop, especially when things are newer programs. But I think that the USC club sports teams was really a great way to just like stay involved in sports and then also help keep the athletes healthy. Um, And then when I was at NovaCare, I worked with Temple's club and rec teams. And it was cool because I was able to work with an athletic trainer for the club and rec teams. But then I was also able to collaborate with the strength coaches, some of the coaches. I was, I pretty much have met and developed relationships with the doctors at student health or at Temple's health system, but it wasn't the same as like being right next door to the doctors, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and I think that's really what makes a huge difference is, is that I have a question, the athletic trainers are very responsive. Um, same thing with the strength coaches. I'm able to just have such a great relationship because I'm immersed into that culture and, you know, everyone else is around uh, around me too. So. Gotcha. And so when you're talking to those uh, strength coaches or athletic trainers, or even the coaches as they're, you know, players are getting ready to get back onto the field or back onto the court, what are some characteristics that, or things that you notice work best when communicating with them? And, you know, to talk about how their athletes health or like, you know, their timetables to return to sport or anything else that they might be experiencing. So the first thing is when you are working in a sports setting, you have to communicate constantly. I think that's just like the biggest thing. Anytime you see an athlete, anytime you don't see an athlete, um, if someone else sees an athlete, you all need to have some sort of like, this is where I am going to like kind of input my, uh, what I've seen. And so that way everyone else is on the same page. I've seen it as an injury report. I've seen it as an email chain. Um, I've seen it as a phone call, a zoom call. I've seen so many different things and yes, it doesn't have to be that frequent, but I think that the higher up you go in terms of college pro, etc., you really need to have a true baseline of communication. And so if you're not doing that, then the athlete's going to get lost in the system. They're not going to be doing things that you might have told them to do and not because they want to get back to sports so bad. And I really think that that is a really helpful tool is just to establish like what's the best mean of communication for everyone and then go from there. Gotcha. And you know, that's, that's such a, um, that's a good question. I always ask this question to people that are working within systems with, you know, a larger sports medicine team, because, you know, working in a clinic, it's, it's you have you can reach out to the doctors and the physicians and stuff but it's much easier when you have everyone that's working everyone has hands on this one particular patient or athlete and everyone's in the same building and it's kind of easier to communicate amongst everyone to talk about make sure everyone's on the same page for that one particular patient okay um so i kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about your involvement with um the dei committee 
Um, kind of tell us a little bit how you got involved in that and kind of why you're so passionate about, um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. So um, I think I saw either on Twitter, LinkedIn, when the sports section was moving to mobilize and they were looking to expand their topics and special interest groups to help kind of either gain membership, keep membership, and just keep members engaged. And I saw the college and professional special interest group and I was kind of looking, I think there was some type of meeting that night and I joined um, and pretty much had met someone who was involved. And I, I had seen that they were doing some stuff with the DEI and I thought, oh, that would be a really great way to be involved. And then also just to like keep con- like keep current with everything that's going on and hear what others have to say and how they, you know, um, pretty much how can we have a conversation about this? And so I asked to be on like on a part of the DEI committee for the college and pro SIG. And pretty much they're like, hey, do you want to be co-chair? And it's been a really rewarding experience. I have a great co-chair. Her name is April. And um, it's just great. We've gotten to meet a bunch of people. You know, as we were going, we were ironing out some kinks. Um, Everyone else has also started to also put on a bunch of content, which has been really helpful in seeing what other people are interested in. But we're sticking with topics where, you know, things that are not necessarily discussed day to day. How do you discuss? how to work with patients with different religious beliefs, um, how to approach um, patients with different race, you know, um, than yourself, I should say, even, and really try to just, you know, again, create this inclusive environment and how to work just with others, but also make them not feel any different than you would. So, um, yeah, I just think that the communication that can come from this has been very rewarding and yeah we've had a bunch of people recently reach out and be like hey let's let's start another conversation on this topic and yeah i'm just really interested to see where things go i I think that's really great because the mobilize app and other physical therapy things do such a great job about teaching about hard physical therapy topics such as like you know acls or labral repairs or any sort of things that are physical therapy related, but how DEI is, is a huge part of physical therapy because we're going to have patients that are all sorts of races, different, you know, um, uh, sexual orientations, all those different types of things. And so that's a part that's going to be like an integral part of our practice, you know, beyond telling them what exercises to do or giving them the correct diagnosis. And so that's such a huge role in making sure patients feel included in such an integral part of their care. So I know that the DEI and uh, you guys just had a, a recent like happy hour. So why don't you give us a little bit like of a, a brief rundown about what that happy hour was? Yeah. So our last happy hour, since that one's the most fresh in my brain, was on how to work with patients with different religious and cultural um, backgrounds um, and kind of discussing how, you know, if someone has, so like my big example was I had a patient back in the day who was a Jehovah's Witness and trying to honor her, it was a group outpatient neuro setting and how to honor her beliefs and make her feel still incorporated into the event and also making sure she felt comfortable with. And so, you know, there was a conversation about, okay, how can we 
make you feel included. Um, and while we do this Halloween or Valentine's event, um, and pretty much it came down to, okay, I will do, you know, she was reaching for objects and doing things like community ambulation, which was part of the activity. Um, and then, you know, it got brought up, which I think, especially when you work with, um, you know, different patient populations that even might be at a higher level, but how to approach someone who is working or is working is a uh, celebrate or is honoring Ramadan. Um, and, you know, kind of you might have to alter your your care that day and plan a care and things like that. So um, we're just talking about different things. like Gotcha. That. I think that's awesome because uh, it's so easy to kind of focus only on like those hard skills and working on, you know, diagnostic skills and stuff like that. But we're going to encounter these patients. And I think patients will truly appreciate that little extra effort to go on, like, you know, appreciate what their customs or whatever their religion is and making sure they felt included in part of the, you know, decision-making process. Um, so kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, what makes a good sports PT to you? I'm sure you've been around a lot of good ones and had a lot of different mentors, but what are some characteristics that you've noticed make a good sports PT? Well, I think the biggest thing that I have seen is education. Um, and as someone who has treated more of a recreational athlete and transitioning into someone who is even higher level, I think that the biggest thing comes down to they need to understand why they're doing something that you're not just, you're not just telling them to do something. So when you have someone and you're like, you need to go to the gym because you are post-op ACL at two months, you're not just telling them to go to the gym because it's part of their home exercise program. You're trying to tell them, you're trying to set them up for success down the line. Um, and I think that I have learned early on that you will be much more successful as a sports rehab PT if they can understand why they're doing something. Um, trying to make exercises functional. Um, if someone is a gymnast they're not gonna, and they're coming in for arm pain, you're not just treating their arm, you're treating their whole body. They need to be prepped and primed. Um, I think working on, I think a lot of this has come out more, I'd say like in the past couple of years, but like working on reaction time, working on perturbation training, working on cognitive tasks, and while they're incorporated into rehab has made it so much more successful. And again, going back to the education piece, I think that the athlete needs to understand why. If they're counting down or if they are like by seven or if they're doing five things at once, obviously that might be a little excessive. And they're trying to under you're trying to understand with a visually impaired goggle or something that that's related to football, right? They're wearing a helmet, they're running, they're also defending. They literally have so many different things going on while their heart rate's up. So I think that really understanding an athlete's sport, understanding the demands of the sport, making sure they're challenged. And again, I think that's what makes PT, sports PT fun. But yeah, I think those are some big things that should go into sports. Gotcha. Um, and so kind of building off what your last point was, you know, kind of understanding the demands of each different sport. What do you kind of, what do you do personally to understand those demands? Cause unless you've played every single sport, 
you're going to eventually run into an athlete whose sport <laughs> you've not experienced, you know, at some level, even if recreationally. So what do you do to go about to making sure you understand what they might need? Yeah. So I'll give you a great example. So I have never played squash or really watched squash more than like, honestly, probably 30 seconds, but I think it is actually really interesting. And I have an athlete right now and um, I can't give too much away, but pretty much I broke down how he moved on the court. And I think that you need to watch number one, how someone in the higher level plays, see what, what are the demands of the sport? Again, what's their footwork like? Is it aerobic versus anaerobic sport? What are their mechanics like? I mean, you can take a lunge, right? You can break down that lunge and see what does their lunge look like versus someone else. And then from there, we were able to decipher, hey, you're not moving well up the chain. And that's what's causing your uh, more proximal pain. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that you, there are just so many different components to an athlete sport that you need to start with but I think the biggest thing is movement analysis you know is there another player is there defense is you know there a lot of footwork um is there a lot more um critical thinking um you know so I think there's just that but yeah that's just like the foundation of the sport is you just gotta gotta look it up and gotta understand right and I think that's one of the most intimidating parts for me um because I'm a Florida boy born and raised and I've never you know, played hockey competitively, you know, so I'm not, it's always, you know, if I ever were to encounter a hockey athlete for some reason, you know, I would want to make sure I figured out what they would need because I personally don't have that much experience with that particular sport. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry. And then too, from a, from a position perspective too, what's the difference between even in football, right? What's the difference between a quarterback and a corner and a running back, like all those the different demands that are required in each position are significantly different. <laughs> um, so I think you just really have to make sure that you understand what those position sports are too. For hockey, what's the difference between a goalie and uh, things like that. Got so, yeah. All right. Got a couple more questions for you. So kind of get walk us through a day in the life for, you know, a typical day in the life of you working at um, Good Shepherd Pen Partners. Well, right now, I think that I treat definitely more of a, like, I treat one patient an hour, and then it could, again, my caseload's maybe, like, 70% athlete, 30% non-athlete, and, you know, what I get one patient an hour. Um, if I have a question for a doctor, I can either ask them or their assistant. I If I am communicating again, I'm sending emails. If I have a question for my manager, I'm talking to them. I have sent injury reports, communicating with my front office staff. You know, I would love to be able to use more than the facilities we have, but with COVID, it's made things a little bit tougher. I would love to go onto the field and watch a track athlete run. <laughs> but yeah, I think that right now I'm a little bit limited to, to confined or more of a confined space because of COVID. But yeah, pretty much I'm just treating athletes one an hour or patient one an hour and yeah, it's pretty much just understanding what their plan of care entails and try to make the most out of it. Okay. Yeah. I think unfortunately COVID has kind of limited a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, but 
um, yeah, that's, that's, I always like to ask people's like day in the life, uh, to kind of, you know, hear people that are working in different, you know, different levels of, uh, sports, whether it be, you know, college, professional, even recreational outpatient. All right. So do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs, whether they're in PT school before PT school, or, you know, even after graduation that want to get in, involved in sports? Yeah, I think, um, the biggest thing is be willing to take risks as someone who is more shy when it has come to networking or stepping outside of my bubble. I have found the most reward with networking and doing things like that in the past couple of years is I've re- been willing to like put down some, some of my guard and go from there. But I have, will say I have, um, been very much engaged in like the sports community. Anytime a volunteering event has come up, I'm always excited to cover because again, you're involved in sports. So take the opportunities that you want to learn from the sporting event, you know, being be involved, the more involved you are, the more opportunities that will continue to come. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be sideline coverage, it could just be, again, you're hanging out at a marathon, um, just in the medical tent, learning from the doctors. I also think that another big thing is um, asking for help. Um, And that also can include networking, where I feel that I have struggled with patient cases in the past, especially as a new grad. Um, I've just asked for help from coworkers or from mentors. And that's when I have really grown. And I think that that will make you such a better PT, be willing to ask for help and understand why, because again, you're going to get these patient cases again, and you are going to have to take those tools that you have um, learned in the past and apply them now. And again, you know, that's what's going to make you successful is uh, all, all your background and things like that. Gotcha. Well, I think that's great advice that, you know, any aspiring sports BT should definitely listen to. Uh, I totally agree with you. Networking is something that's always been a little bit scary because it's like you have to reach outside your comfort zone. Um, but that's something that I've actually found rewarding is most people, uh, you know, almost everybody I've reached out to has been super willing to come on, um, you know, and talk and just chat about anything, whether it's questions cl- clinically or about career wise. Most people are, you know, very friendly and always willing to talk. Um, and Shauna, you have been, you know, one of these people. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, to the podcast. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, I know the DEI committee. Is there anything? Where, where can we find the DEI committee actually? Yeah. So if you are a member of the sports section, um, you can reach out um, or you can find us on the sports section on Mobilize. Um, that's part of the sports section. Um, and then, yeah, if you are interested in being part of our committee, committee um, you can email me at sisrael at usc.edu. And yeah, if you have any questions also non-related, you're more than welcome to reach out and touch base. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Perfect. I will make sure I include those um, in the links below. Shauna, again, thank you so much for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thank you, Chase, for having me. This was a lot of fun. Big shout out to Shauna Israel of Good Shepherd Pet Partners for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.